Good morning. I just, this morning we're talking about peace, so I just want us to take a breath. Because this, this is not, you know, we talk about peace a lot with Christmas, but it's not the season of peace, right? We just celebrated the high holy day of anti-peace, Black Friday. And if you use YouTube at all, after Black Friday, you get on and you're like, whoa, what are we doing? I mean, that's a really cheap TV or Blu-ray player or VCR or whatever you went for. But, um, but, but like, it's the lack of peace. And if you have yet to go to a store and you need to yet to Christmas shop, you'll probably get to experience some more lack of peace on full display. And full disclaimer, um, I mean, there's still so much time to Christmas shop, I haven't even really started thinking about it. Um, yesterday, I was like, we should talk about that. Nah, we got like 10 days still or whatever. Um, I mean, I love you guys, but... <laughs> but so, peace... So I want to give a couple of, uh, just a, a couple of instances that maybe have been true for you in your life. So just kind of as I, as I read them out, um, kind of listen if, if these are true for you. Because they, they all maybe show either a way that we end up lacking peace or a condition of our heart where we lack peace. So maybe you've had the experience where you quickly assume when you don't hear from someone that the worst is true. Right? They were, they were supposed to get home in 12 minutes, and it's been 13 minutes, and you're on one phone with the police, and you're driving to the hospital, and you're calling the sheriff's department on the other one because you're like, something is wrong. And then after 14 minutes, the person calls you. He's like, yeah, sorry, there was a train. Whew. Right? Some of us have had that experience um, where just like this fear thing kicks in. And we operate out of fear instead of peace. Or maybe, maybe you have, ex- have experience where you lay down to bed at night and you cannot get things to slow down in your mind. And so you just lay there and you lay there. And life just is throwing so much at you that sleep is impossible. Or may- maybe the opposite of that one is true. The life is throwing so much at you that all you can do is sleep. And anxiety robs peace. Or, or maybe it's every time you see that person. And when I say that person that way, we all know who we're thinking of. And you are instantly angry or flustered or upset and you are back in whatever it is that they did or they do that drives you crazy. And this, this holding on to bitterness or being unwilling or unable to forgive someone robs us of peace. And so I think we can have lots of experiences in this life that rob us of this peace that we talk about in the Christmas season, in the Advent season. So this morning to help us better understand peace, we're going to talk about the peace that Jesus offers. But before we get to that, I think we've got to talk about what the world tries to offer us in terms of peace. So we're going to back up 2,000 years um, to the Roman Empire. And when you think of the Roman Empire, clearly you think of peace. We have a picture of the Colosseum, you know, where they sent 
the criminals to fight lions to the death. Um, nice and peaceful. But there's this phrase, the Pax Romana, and it's the peace of Rome. And it was a 200-year period or, or so from about 30 B.C. to 170 A.D., where Rome, the Roman Empire, experienced unprecedented peace that, that no empire in the world had ever known before. They had 200 years of peace. And this, this peace started, there were three rulers of Rome, and, and they couldn't get along of the empire. And so they started fighting with each other, and eventually only one was left, and that was the beginning of the Pax Romana, of the peace of Rome. And it, it lasted around 200 years, um, it, it, was, it was this amazing time of peace. During this time, these 200 years, I mean, you'll be shocked how peaceful it was. Only one emperor was assassinated, which is pretty good for 200 years, right? Peaceful. Um, and there were only like 15 or 20 major wars and battles. Peaceful, right? And, and, the, and the reason this is how it worked is that the most peaceful superpower that the world had known was still experiencing some sort of war every, uh, every 10 or 15 years, um, was, was that the way the Romans understood peace was super broken. They didn't understand peace as the lack of conflict or the absence of war, but peace was, is what existed when all your opponents had been so crushed and demolished that they lost the will to resist. So think like, the Roman Empire's idea of peace was like when it had squashed every bug under its thumb and there was no bugs left to squash, they had peace. And any time, all these little wars and battles that happened during this 200-year Pax Romana um, were times where like a bug realized it was still wanted like some freedom. And so a people group that had been conquered would kind of rise up and try and, and fight back. And the Roman Empire would come and squash them. And there was no other superpower that was able to kind of stand up to them. But, you know, there'd be little border skirmishes here and there. Somebody would try to invade, and they would go, and they would squash it. And, and they just, they believed that if, if you had enough power, at some point, that would create peace through the use of violence. That was the, the only way you could get to peace. And so we talk about that as the myth of redemptive violence. And they, they actually had a holiday that helped them celebrate this. It was called Sol Invictus. Um, and, and this is a, a picture of a coin uh, with the, the sun god of the Roman Empire. Sol Invictus means the unconquered sun, S-U-N, sun. The unconquered sun. And he's the patron god of the soldiers. And so there was festivals and idol worship. And the whole idea was celebrating the might of Rome, that Rome had the ability to, to get rid of any resistance and create peace. And so they, they instituted this, this sun god worship of Sol Invictus to celebrate their military might and power and that no one in the world could stand up to them. And now we, we know the eventual story, right? Because it's 2,000 years later and none of us hail Caesar because the Roman Empire, somebody else got strong enough to challenge it, and it broke from within, because even if you find some sort of peace through violence, the problem is people are still there, and we, we hunger and thirst for power and violence, and so it comes up and again and again and again, and we're still 
2,000 years later, stuck in this cycle of using power and violence to try and bring peace. And it doesn't work. But maybe, maybe we've discovered some other options in our culture of finding peace. Um, a little over 100 years ago, at the outbreak of World War I, in 1914, uh, right about this time, uh, some of the world leaders that, whose, whose countries were a part of, of World War I uh, called for a truce on Christmas Day. He said, let's, let's be decent and let's let the men celebrate Christmas. In some places along the line, um, generals said, no, we're not, I don't trust that that side's going to take a break, so we're not taking a break either, and they continued to battle right on through. But there were places um, where both sides ended up calling a truce for, a, for a, about 24 hours. And, and there's, this is a, 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 a newspaper headline from early 1915 sharing the story of one of those. And the story goes that, that some German soldiers started walking across this no-man's land where the battle was, was happening. And as they walked, the English line was convinced it was a trick. They're coming. If we go out, they're going to kill us all. It's a trick. Don't go out. Don't go out. But eventually, these guys just kept, they were in, you know, in, in surrender, kept walking out, no guns. And, and eventually, you know, they chose the least popular guy in their line to go out and meet him and see if it was a trick. And that guy walked out and met with the Germans, and it wasn't a trick. They wanted to lay down their guns for a day. And so the story goes that that night, as, as, as the men were in their trenches, you could hear German Christmas carols being sung. And when that Christmas carol ended, then you would hear an English Christmas carol sung back across, and they sang songs to each other. And then the next day, they, they traded food and shared food with one another. They played a game of soccer. Like, pretty idyllic in the middle of a battle zone. Unfortunately, December 26th came. And rather than recognize that, like, we could keep doing this thing where, like, we play soccer together, they picked up their guns and started shooting each other again. And if that isn't a perfect picture of how the world often tries to go about creating peace, I don't know what is. Because they had some amount of peace. They were okay on the field one day, and then the next day they picked up guns again. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Or, or maybe, maybe we like to think ourselves like, yeah, but we don't, we don't do that massive trench warfare thing anymore. Um, and so maybe we, can, we work pretty hard as consumers to purchase peace. And uh, actually, we, we are fairly often sold the idea of peace. We have a, a commercial here this morning uh, that will sell you some peace for a low, low price. Noise canceling. How long? Five minutes. Thanks. So, so maybe we, we, we don't want to participate in this whole redemptive violence thing. So we're, we want to back away from violence. But we still want peace. And so the way we're going to get peace is by just getting rid of everything around us that bothers us. <sighs> Noise-canceling headphones. The problem with noise-canceling headphones 
is that as hard as you try, you cannot live your whole life with them on canceling out all the noise, right? At some point, his ride's going to end, and he's going to get out, and he's going to step onto the sidewalk, or he's going to go into a meeting, and the headphones have to come out, and then the chaos and the lack of peace comes rushing back in at that point. But we're sold this idea that we can buy peace. If we can just make our world safe and manageable and, and just the things we like, and if we can keep everything else away, then, then we will have peace. But again, the same problem exists. Is that we're still part of humanity. We still have sin. And we will find ourselves without peace. The, the second we quit pretending we're in a nice lagoon in the jungle and enter back into the chaos of life. So this morning, Kathy read from, from John 14. And I, I want to reread verse 27. It says, peace, this is Jesus talking, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So Jesus gives peace differently. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So a couple things in this verse about the way Jesus gives peace and what it means is that rather than, than um, having to conquer fear, like crush it, anything that we're afraid of, or drown everything we're afraid of or anxious about out, Jesus says, you just don't even have to be afraid anymore when you begin to experience my peace. There's something more there. Um, it, it also is that Jesus gives peace permanently. He says, I leave this peace with you. It's yours permanently. It's not, it's not situational. It's not only there when things are easy. I give it to you all the time for all situations. It is with you. So this word peace in John 14, it's, it's a lot like the Old Testament word shalom. The Greek word is irene. And it, it means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. So it's an interior thing that we know who we are in Christ, that we are assured and sure of who we are in Christ is what it means to experience this peace. This is the peace that Jesus leaves. And it means that we fear nothing from God and we're content with our earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So it means that the external stuff isn't where we look for our peace. We begin to look for our peace with Christ and who we are in Christ. So Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, same word, Irene, deep assurance, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the peace of God and the God of peace will be with you. So verse 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to break down some of these words really quick. Um, if you want to learn the actual Greek words, use the internet. Um, we're just going to stick to English here. Um, 
But the word transcends, it's getting at this idea of higher, better, supreme, stand out, rise above, over the top. Understanding is talking about the intellectual knowledge, the things we know, uh, the things we think. Guard, I love this one, to prevent hostile invasion. That the Jesse version of this, that's just how, what it says now. Um, it doesn't say guard anymore. And then the heart is talking about the root of your being. So this verse 4-7, and the peace of God, the deep assurance of who I am in Christ, which is far above and supreme against all knowledge I could possibly have, everything I could think, will prevent hostile invasion in the root of my being. So the goal of the peace of Christ is that it dwells so deeply within us that it is at the core of our being and so it prevents all other things from being able to take that seat and create fear and anxiety and bitterness and all these things that remove peace from us. And so that's what the peace is supposed to look like, the peace of Jesus, the peace of God. And I think this morning that the birth story of Jesus helps us find that. And it doesn't help us find that um, because, you know, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. That last line, sleep in heavenly peace. Oh, sleep in baby Jesus. If you've ever had a baby in your home, we had two at once the first go. I don't think they've slept at the same time yet, really. They might, they're teenagers now. They might start. Um, but, like, it's chaos, right? It's not this, like, oh, let's just think about the birth of Jesus, and that's peaceful. But I think we, this story has something to, this story of the birth of Jesus has something to say to us about peace. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to us. God chose in Jesus to make his dwelling place with us. He showed us what it means like to dwell with him. He didn't say, you have to figure out what it means to dwell. I'm going to come and show you how I'm going to live with you. And I'm going to set that as the pattern for how you will dwell with me. And so in the birth story, the part of peace isn't just like this sweet baby. It's that God came to earth and dwelled among us. And so we are invited to make our dwelling place with God. Jesus didn't choose to take up might and power to create peace. He chose to come as a baby to create peace. And when the opportunity was there to overthrow governments with might and power, and he had all the might and power he needed to do that, he chose to give himself up to bring peace. Because this is what the peace of Jesus looks, looks like. And so this morning we have a decision. It's the decision of what we're going to do with December 25th. Because we have the unconquered sun, the sol invictus. And the high holy day of the Roman sun god. I'll give you one guess about what day it is. It's similar to a day we're about to celebrate. It's December 25th was the, the, the sun god's celebration. So it's the celebration of power and might 
and the ability to create peace through violence um, or, or whatever it is that our world says the way we can create peace is. We have a choice to go that route or we have a choice to align ourselves with Jesus, the conquered son who gave up all things to show us what real peace looks like and to offer us the opportunity to have the assurance of how God cares for us and is with us. And this, this is a process, right? It's not, I choose the conquered son, Jesus, and uh, nothing around me affects me. I have calm assurance and deep peace. It's a process. Um, last night I was part of Behold the Lamb up at McPherson, and this, it stretches me um, to be a part of this. And I think Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night, when I, or when I woke up the next mornings, each of those nights I realized I'd had dreams about having to sing one of the songs. It has like a thousand, it has all the names of Jesus' family tree, and they're not all real easy to say. They're really hard to sing. And I woke up like, and realized I'd had been having dreams about having to do this in front of people where I might really screw it up come on Christmas Eve. Um, and so peace is a process, right? Um, of, hey God, I, I lack peace in this place. I lack the deep assurance that I am okay with you. Whether I can say, you know, Hezekiah right or Elia Shazar or whatever. I don't even know if Elia Shazar is a real name in there. It sounds like one. Um, but peace is a process that we move toward over and over as we choose to follow Jesus. So this morning, I, I want to I leave us um, in a story of Jesus from Luke chapter 8. And I, I, I want to read it, and then we'll, we'll finish with some, some of God's promises to us. It says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet because she's used to the culture of Sol Invictus, that people in power crush people without power. So she comes trembling at his feet, and in the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go in the calm assurance that God is with you and for you and does not condemn you and you have nothing to fear from me. In this story, we find that when we encounter God in faith, peace is one of the offered results. So this morning I ask, where do you need to, in faith, encounter the promises of God this morning? So I just want to read it's not all the promises because there's a lot of them, but I want to read a bunch of promises that God has for you this morning. Um, and I, I would just kind of encourage you to prayerfully sit and listen to them and ask God, what in this place today, where do I need to place my faith better in you 
Where do I need to grab hold of these promises so I can learn to live in deep peace? And so if, if you're comfortable, I just invite you to close your eyes and, and, and just kind of open your hands as, as a sign, as a symbol of, God, I, I want to receive from you this morning. I want to hear these promises. And I, I, I want to experience uh, this deep peace that you offer. God will never leave you or forsake you. You are free in Christ. God loves you today as his child. If you ask for wisdom, God will provide it. God has a purpose and a plan for you today. Jesus will help you when you are tempted. You are a masterpiece of God's creation. You can freely approach God with confidence. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of Christ. In Jesus, God does not condemn you. Today, God cares for you. And I am absolutely certain that today, God is Emmanuel. He is the one who is with you. Father God, in a world that is chaotic, that, that operates out of lots of things that aren't peace, God, I pray that you would continually draw us near to you, God, that we would learn more and more each day what it means to dwell with you, to place ourselves, all our faith, fully in you. And that as we do that, God, we would be people who go in peace and share the good news of great joy uh, with all people. In your name we pray. Amen.